11 and a half year old Gigi is a smart, witty, fun, beautiful, and independent girl who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in November of 2022. This came as a big surprise as there is no history of type 1 diabetes in her family. I'm grateful that Gigi and her mom were willing to come on and share Gigi's experience of first learning that she had type 1 diabetes and what she's learned over the last four months as she's navigating this new diagnosis. Welcome to the No Problem Parenting Podcast. Turn behavior problems into no problem with Jackie Finneman. Are you ready to become the confident leader your kids crave you to be? Do you want to learn how to make parenting easier and more fulfilling? Whether you are at your wit's end or you want to have more fun as a parent, you're definitely in the right place. Now here's your host, Jackie Finneman. All right, welcome back, No Problem Parents. In keeping with our health and wellness theme this month of March, I'm so excited to have Gigi and her mom, Jessica, with me on the show today. And to tell you a little bit about their journey as they discovered that Gigi had type 1 diabetes. So at a normal well child check, a few days after Gigi had the flu, her mom, Jessica, told their pediatrician that she wanted her daughter to have a full blood workup due to the fact that she was always thirsty, never full, and was losing weight. Little did Jessica know that this request would save her daughter's life. A few hours later, Jessica received a late evening call from their pediatrician stating that Gigi had type 1 diabetes. Jessica said, uh, I think you need to run the tests again. It, this has to be wrong because no one on either side of their family had type 1 diabetes. After the doc explained that Gigi's A1C level was greater than 15, the chart does not go any higher than that, her glucose level was 535 and there was a plethora of other scary results, Jessica rushed her daughter to Children's Hospital, scared, uncertain, and full of questions. The next few days were a whirlwind for the family. They were surrounded by the most amazing care team that they could have ever asked for at Children's Hospital in Minnesota, but their heads were spinning with all the information. All Jessica could do was think about the scariness of the diagnosis, how the high levels could kill her, the low levels could kill her. Controlling the diagnosis is a science and an art with no guarantees. Like many others, they had no idea what the difference between type 1 diabetes and type 2 was. So type 2 can often be controlled with diet and lifestyle. But when you have type 1 diabetes, your body stops producing insulin, a hormone that's essential to turning food into energy. Managing the disease is a constant struggle that involves continuously monitoring your blood sugar level via finger pricks or a CGM device administering insulin before any meal, snack, treat, and carefully balancing those doses with eating and activity. And for Gigi, it also involves a different insulin type to be administered before bedtime. So even with a strict regimen, people with T1D may experience dangerously high or low blood glucose levels that can, in extreme cases, be life-threatening. So with type 1 diabetes, there are no days off and there is no cure, but there is hope. 
as challenging as this disease is, the family is trying to focus on the positive and figure out a way to make light in the battle. They believe everything happens for a reason, and they're quite certain that Gigi is going to make a positive impact in a big way towards raising awareness and finding a cure in her lifetime. And that's why they started Gigi's team. And they're participating in the 2023 JRDF One Walk Twin Cities, Minnesota event this year. They want to raise awareness and raise funds to find a cure. I've put a link in the show notes, so go click on that link and you can help support Gigi's team and donate, helping her reach her fundraising goal. Welcome to the show, Gigi and Jessica. Gigi, I know that you guys really didn't have any idea about type 1 diabetes. Why don't you just jump right in and tell us what this experience has been like for you and what you've learned? I feel like we didn't really know much that much before. I mean, I feel like to us, we never really experienced anything like type 1. Like, no one on my family, I don't think, ever had type 1. Lots of, like, people had type 2, but I didn't really know that much um because they were still eating the stuff that i eat and then like i was always wanting to eat sugar for some reason and that's kind of what led on to my mom wanting to test my blood because i always crave sugar like i crave sugar too but like i was like extremely craving it like every single night i always like felt the urge to have sugar and i was always drinking lots of water like I don't know if this had anything to do with it but sometimes I felt kind of drowsy but that might have just been me um but like the water I was drinking a lot of um and so and I think I was going to the bathroom a bit maybe not entirely a lot but probably a bit just because of all the water I was drinking mm-hmm. and then we tested my blood at a well uh well, child, mm-hmm. Chuck, yeah, um, I remember the day, it was a Monday, and it was the Monday after Halloween, because mm-hmm. um, I remember being sick, and then we went to our well, like, yearly well child check, and me and my brother both got our check, and my mom just told my doctor she wanted to test my blood, even though there wasn't entirely, like, a reason for my doctor think about it much it was just my mom because she was like you're really drinking a lot of water you're really having a lot of sugar and she said like she was gonna probably get me a nutritionist because she think it was just like a thing that I needed a lot of sugar from and that's kind of how she kept telling me like if you keep eating so much sugar you're gonna get like diabetes and we thought it was like the type 2 um Mm -hmm. but then like kind of somewhat ironically um, I was diagnosed with diabetes, um, but I didn't really know at the time, really, that there's a difference between type 1 and type 2. I mean, like, it wasn't my fault. It's not because I, like, ate too much sugar. It's just kind of, like, something that happened. We're thinking I started having, like, little nudges of it, but like I said, a week before I was sick, and, like, that kind of pushed it over the top with my immune system, and then it just couldn't handle anymore. We knew that the water had something to do with me and like my body knew before I did that I had type 1 diabetes. So drinking all that water, we were, um, my body was trying to flush out the sugar mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think it was trying to also flush out my ketones mm-hmm. because my blood levels were like super duper high. So they were trying to flush out the ketones I had and the sugar I had and that's why I drank so much water. Mm-hmm. 
with my high blood sugars. I think we're leaving, leading on to like when I'm high, I crave food. I crave like food because like when I'm high, I just get hungry. Like right now, there are different ranges for different like people. Some people have tighter or looser ranges. Mine is for now, anything like below 80 is a low for my blood sugar. Like if my blood sugar is 79 or lower, it's a low. Mm-hmm. And then if my blood is 150 or higher, it's a high. So okay. we're trying to stay in between that range. What do you have to do to stay in that range? Well, we have to get, I have to get dosed insulin. Um, usually like when I'm low, I have to take some sort of active sugar or glucose. So sometimes we give me a glucose shot, like that, a drink shot. It just okay. like kind of like a little shot of like sugary flavored juice that we can give me. Other people I know do juice boxes. Jelly beans is one that works for us a lot because we can just put them in our pocket and then go have That's a great idea. <laughs> and they're really yummy. <laughs> and I don't get bored of them because there's like a lot of flavors. But we did find out like before we were using this candy called Andy's Mints. Mm-hmm. And and so that's what we were taking when I'm low because each Andy or at least Christmas Andy is five carbs per five carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So I and I love chocolate. So I got to eat three of them when I was low because then it'd be 15, 15 mm-hmm. is the usual amount to take. But sometimes we take less than that. If I'm like 79, like I'm low, but I'm not that low so we don't really want to take too many we'd probably take about five to ten just depending on carbs carbs like five to ten carbs but that would usually just be um jelly beans because the glucose shot we found out that like that's usually for when I'm way lower like Mm -hmm. 65 sometimes like I usually always take 15 then but sometimes if we're like in the middle of the night jelly beans you don't really want to keep chewing them throughout the night because you just want to get sleep Mm -hmm. so what my parents do is they just give me um the glucose shot and say like depending on what my blood is drink half of this drink right drink all of this like just depending on what my blood is Mm -hmm. so how often do you have to test yourself how do you know if you're low or high well we have we used to always have to prick my finger and it's usually based on what I'm feeling. So for example, when I'm low, I usually feel drowsy, sometimes like on the inside, quivery, like kind of weak, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when I'm high, like I said, that one's a little bit harder for me to know when I'm high. Um, It's usually probably craving sugar Mm -hmm. and it would be, it's way harder to tell if I'm high than low I could say Mm -hmm. but now that we have a CGM continuous glucose monitor it's way easier because we can get my readings like instantly and we always have the readings so that or usually always so that anytime my blood drops I don't have to wait until I feel the quiver because or the weakness in my knees or the weakness in any part of me because like for example one time I was at school I didn't like pay attention to it much 
because like I was just working and like when I'm working I didn't really pay attention to how I felt really I just kept focusing on it or focusing on whatever I was doing and so with the alarm I put on these um that would be like the only way I probably would have known that I had a low or a high some people carry around glucose monitors that help monitor with it like it's got like a it's like a tiny little computer that you can carry around with you and just check your blood later. But mine's, I have mine in my phone and I usually don't set my alarm like to like a buzzer or a beep because in my opinion, that kind of like embarrasses me in front of the class because mm-hmm. when we have those quiet moments, when we're focusing on something, maybe reading and we just have the quiet moments when you're it's like self reading or something kind of embarrassing to have beep 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 yeah everybody pays attention to you and wonders what's going on like I I could feel like the flush come to my face and stuff like one time it did happen in class and I was quite embarrassed about it Mm -hmm. I just felt like everyone's staring at me so I was like really embarrassed so I went out of the class and went down to the nurse you know because I had to check my blood of course and so yeah it was not very good but now I set um, my alarm usually to just vibrate only okay um, so it just vibrates instead of beeping out in the middle of the class and then sometimes if I don't notice it or or if I do notice it my mom would still or my dad would still just give me a text that's like okay honey you need to take a couple jelly beans now or okay honey you gotta drink a shot now or something like that Right. Tell our listeners, in case they don't know, a little bit more about the monitor and how that works. How does it send that signal to your phone? It's basically the size of an, like a Lego, you know, it's like mm-hmm. about the size of one of those, the little eight piece Legos, the two by fours. Mm-hmm. And it just goes onto my arm. It has a tiny little needle in it that um, you don't really feel throughout your everyday movements. It just, the tiny needle so it's kind of like pricking my finger, except for little needle does it, and it's already in my blood anyways. And mm-hmm. so it just kind of sticks in there, and then there's another part to it that sticks into it called the transmitter. And this is the thing that reads my blood and then sends it to my phone while my reading is. So it's that is awesome. Yeah, we I think there are two brands. Well, two brands that I know of CGMs, which are Dexcom and Freestyle Libre, Mm -hmm. but we went with the Dexcom and we love it. Mm -hmm. So one thing that did shock me though, is the first time we put it on in all the videos that we watched, like how to put it on. The thing that shocked me, because I wasn't expecting this, is that it made a loud sound. It went, it sounded like, like kind of like a gunshot. It was like big and loud. It was like, yeah. It was scary, so it scared me a lot, and we didn't know that, so it it really scared. And so the second time, I had, like, headphones on and was watching a movie or something to take my mind off of it. But it's a pretty loud sound if you're new to it. Mm-hmm. But this is, what, my sixth, seventh one? Yeah, we change it every 10 days. Yeah, we change it every 10 days, so I've already done it a couple of times, so I'm pretty used to it now, but it still gives me that, like, shocking feeling. Like, yeah. The sound, and then it does, like, pinch a bit. It kind of, like, pokes in, and then having a needle put into you kind of, like, pokes a bit, and, you know. So you have to change that every 10 days? Yeah, every 10 days. Mm -hmm. And the transmitter itself, 
which is a little gray poppin piece, like I was saying. It pops into like a socket on it, basically. When you're putting the uh, Dexcom on, you have a plastic holder and then the needle and then this somewhat bandage-like material so it sticks onto your skin. And then after that, you have to put this somewhat like gray transmitter thing into it. You have to just pop it in and then it stays locked in there. And like I said, that's the thing that reads the blood. And that thing lasts for like about 60 days. Mm -hmm. So about six times of putting it on. And then the transmitter, you don't throw away until the 60 days is up. Mm -hmm. But the thing that hooks onto me, the sensor, Mm -hmm. that you can just throw away Mm -hmm. every time. We found it's, like I said, like a Band-Aid material. So for me, I, I don't like ripping off a Band-Aid, you know? I don't either. It, it doesn't It doesn't feel very good. It, it's big, too. It's about a, the whole thing itself because of the bandage added to it. It's what, like a two-by-four, and it's longer vertically. Mm-hmm. And then that, it still hurts to peel off because it's like a ring. So you kind of, when you're going around it, you got to peel it up and then move up or down and then go around the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it hurts mm-hmm. a bit. I usually have to like soak it in a bath, but we have her like, I don't think it's available in Minnesota, but they just came out with something called the Dexcom G7. It's on ads on TV. It's only about the size of a nickel or a quarter and you can hook it on your phone um, as well. So you've learned a lot. How did you start to learn about it? Well, we went um, to a wonderful uh, hospital. It's um, in Minneapolis. It's the Children's Hospital. And I think I might have been there before for an accident I had, but it was, they were teaching you like 24 mm-hmm. 7. We stayed there for about three days mm-hmm. to drop my blood back to a good range. And they informed us every day. They would like come in and different doctors would come in for a meeting. Like, I think a nutritionist would come in at some point and someone came in to help us understand what insulin does, the mm-hmm. stuff that they give me shots for, um, to lower my blood or so that I can actually eat. Mm-hmm. And so this, um, or eat something above my snacking amount of carbs. And they told us how like without insulin, the, the sugars couldn't get like, into my I think blood cells Mm -hmm. right and so they couldn't like help me produce energy and so they just get trapped in there and they wouldn't be used for anything and that's one of the reasons my body was trying to flush them out you know because um once like I I get too much of them and so my body was like okay I've got a lot of sugar in here let's try and flush it out while you're going to the bathroom and so that's why I needed insulin because that like unlocked the blood cells so that my sugar could go into them Mm -hmm. and they could actually make energy. That is so cool. And so when all these doctors and nutritionists and people were coming into your room at the hospital, you were paying attention. A bit of attention. Yeah, I was in the bed. I was between them. Like they sat next to me and then my parents were on the other side of me. And so I paid um, attention. I liked when they had a model to show me instead of just words. Like, like I said, the key one, they had a plastic model with like 
like little chains and stuff just to show me how it's like unlocked and then with the insulin or I mean how it's locked and then with the insulin it gets unlocked yeah I'm I like to learn that way too if I can see it and then I can understand a little bit better they even showed me some cool things like some people that I may know that actually have type 1 diabetes as well Ooh, like who I think they told me about a hockey player on the Minnesota Wild, but I um, know a couple because I'm doing my passion project about type 1 diabetes. Um, yes. And a passion project is basically something we do at my in my class at school. My passion project this year about type 1 diabetes and like having people understand it. And I did some research and I found out that Nick Jonas on the Jonas Brothers also had type 1 diabetes, who was on The Voice, I think. He was. He was one of the judges on The Voice, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't think he was on it for too long, but he was a judge for at least like a season or something. And he actually is on the ad for the Dexcom G7. Yeah, it's kind of nice having people like super famous people I didn't even know had type 1 diabetes. Lots of people who have it that I had no idea about at the start. So now I kind of have something in common with them. Yes, right. I just interviewed um, a lady for the podcast. Her name is Dr. Kate Lund, and she has a TEDx that she did. She talks about making your ordinary the extraordinary. And sometimes we think like we want to be like other people, you know, and we want to fit in and we get embarrassed if something's different about us from somebody else. But she's like, turn your ordinary into the extraordinary. And I think that's what a lot of these other people have done with their type one diabetes, right? Nick Jonas. I mean, he's an amazing singer and a really seems like a really nice guy, like part of his life. I think created a company actually called, yeah, Touched by Type One. I think that was his Mm. company. And I got a box in the mail. I think my mom ordered it. I think it was all free, but they had lots of stuff in it. It had information about highs and lows. But by that point, I kind of already knew about them. And then they had all this other cool stuff, like cute and fun stuff, like this tiny little CGM that you can stick onto your dolls. So it's like your dolls have type 1 diabetes as well. And that was from, I think it's like a lot of companies supporting that company, Mm -hmm. or he's supporting a lot of companies. And there's like little canisters to hold your jelly beans or little pieces of paper where you can write down the food, the carbs, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we can write it all down somewhere so that we can do the math because Mm -hmm. for every meal or a higher carb snack, I have to get dosed for it. So writing this down can help us like calculate the right amount of dosing. Like we already know, I kind of like memorized my dosing. Like breakfast, I have to divide the number by 15. Lunch, I have to divide it by 22 and dinner by 19 and that changes um it hasn't changed in a while but my first um it was since I was so high they shifted it from um my first was 12 12 and 12 Mm -hmm. for all three meals of the day but then they shifted it again because I was kind of getting more on the low side they just shifted depending on how my blood is so that I can stay in that range that I told you about a thing that I dislike is the fact that you just gotta always be dosed, always be watched about your blood. Like, you can't, you you can and you can't be left alone. Like, 
before I can give myself my own shots. My parents like always have to watch me or have someone like we have a babysitter has to be someone who knows how to give me a shot just in case an emergency happens. Right. Like also I'm not really that scared of this, but I'm kind of also scared of it because like, I don't know if it can give me a shorter life for having type 1 diabetes because if my blood is always going up and down, hard in my organs, and I don't want that to make me have a shorter life than anyone else. And then going into a coma for if uh, my blood sugar drops way too low, I will actually go into a coma. If my blood goes way too high, it can cause organ shutdown, which will also lead to a coma. So it's kind of the frustrating part or the tricky part or the dislike part is that you have to pay attention to that all the time, Uh right? And And that's kind of a hassle. Yeah. And like, I have to wait now, like for if I were to have a high carb something, for example, ice cream, Dairy Queen ice cream is usually pretty high carb. If I were to have just a medium blizzard, like that would be, we'd have to wait for like 15 minutes usually now because like. I can go really high even after giving me insulin. Mm-hmm. And like something for me, like people have their weak spots probably in it where they just can't stop it from going high or low. I think um, mostly for me though, any like white flour uh, will actually bring me up high. Even if we dose me for it, I have to wait probably extra long to have it. I have, mm-hmm. when I get my shot, I have to wait like 10 minutes before I can eat. Um, but for like white bread or for like a Dairy Queen or a high carb ice cream, probably 15 minutes. When you're at a restaurant, it's tricky because you don't know when the food is number one, what's in the food or how much food or how many carbs are in it. But then also like, when's it going to get to the table? Yeah, because, because we, like we got to like ask them because like if we dose me and I get dosed and then we have to and then like my food comes right then. Like, I'm not going to get a silver platter to package it up so that it can stay warm. And also, if I am get dosed and then I, like, wait for my food and then usually want to eat within the 30 time range, it comes, like, way late. Like, way late if something happens, like, oh, we missed your order. Um, We got started over again. Like, I have to reset, like, I have to do something, like, I have to make shift for the carbs, so, like. Right, because all those things you have to think about, though. You do, yeah, because it's, once you're dosed, you only have a window of time to be able to eat. You can't eat too soon, because you have to wait till the insulin gets into your bloodstream, but if you wait too late, then she's going to start dropping, because it opens up, like she said, the keys open up so that your body can absorb it. Um, because basically what type one is, is your, her bank pancreas doesn't work. So she can't convert the carbs that she's eating into sugar, which is what all food converts to eventually. And so one of the biggest misnomers is that with diabetes in general, it's you have to watch your sugar, right? So get low sugar stuff. And and it's really the carbs. It's not the sugar. So some zero or low sugar items actually have higher carbs. So she has to get dose more insulin for that. So it gets tricky because it's it's constantly a balancing act, timing wise, as well as, you know, doing the math on every meal that she eats, how many carbs um, she needs to be dosed for. You must have to take food with you. You have to have some stuff packed. Yeah, like, well, definitely for like trips, we always packed like goodies. But now like we're packing 
plenty of stuff. And we have a, a bag that we call JDRF bag because we got it from JDRF, which mm-hmm. is a diabetes association for kids. And so um, uh, in that, like we have extra everything. Tell us a little bit about JDRF. There's a walk coming up or an event coming up. So tell us a little bit yeah. about that. On May 20th this year, there's going to be a walk at the Vikings training stadium and people raise money and you can get like prizes too. But like, like we have a group and we raise money and then the money goes to help like JDRF raise awareness or help somehow make a cure someday for type 1 diabetes. So you're collecting donations or people can walk and Gigi, you have a page set up. I'm going to put that link in the show notes. So if anybody wants to donate, um, how long do they have to donate to your team? I think until May 20th, right? Mm, Yeah, until May 20th, until the walk, you can Mm. donate. Awesome. So that's giving people a couple of months to donate. Keep the donations coming. Support Team Gigi. It's Team Gigi from Minnesota, because there's lots of different states that are involved in this, which is awesome. I appreciate so much that you were willing to even do this. I thought, hey, we want to do whatever we can to help support you and your story and what you've shared with all of our listeners today is super inspiring and educational. And I just can't thank you enough for being willing to be on my show. Thank you. And you're welcome. Before we head out um, and finish this up real quick, I want to talk to Mama Jess. I do. I mean, it had to be a super scary thing. I mean, you can think in your head, okay, I got to have my kid tested for diabetes. There's like sugar stuff going on. You know, she's going to the bathroom a lot, all that. But then you actually go in and get the news. What, what was, what was, what's it been like? It's, you know, it, it's, it's a lot to absorb because as Gigi said, we didn't have other family members that have this and it's an autoimmune disorder, right? So, um, it's something that she didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. Um, it's just her pancreas no longer functions, right? And so it's shocking. Um, we actually had, we tested her blood, as she said, at the well child check. And I received a call at about 8.30 that same night. And when when the call first came in, I'm like, that's so weird. Our doctor's calling us. Why would our doctor be calling us this late at night? And when she said, hey, you know, your results came back. And yes, I'm so glad that we did the test because she, your daughter has type one diabetes. I was like, oh no, you have the wrong phone number. This is, this is Jessica. This is, you know, no, 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 Jessica, we were certain. I said, I think you need to run the test again because no, it can't be, it can't be the case. And even though motherly gut instinct said, have her blood tested, it was more out of just, oh, precautionary, right? I didn't actually mm-hmm. expect the results to come back what they came back. And so um, th- then you jump into fix it mode, right? What do we do mm-hmm. to fix it? How can we How can we get things good? Obviously, we're concerned about her. She was very, if you want to call it high functioning type one, <laughs> if there is such a thing, because her numbers were through the roof. And so they were just really surprised that she was functioning as well as she was and that she wasn't in, you know, a DKA or something like that. Um, you know, you're, you're just going through information overload and it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. And, and coming from someone who never spent more than five minutes in a grocery store, cause I knew where the aisles were that I needed to grab my stuff and get out. It was something that was a huge life change for us as a family, reading labels constantly and, and 
just getting educated about, oh, I didn't even know this aisle existed in the grocery store. But thankfully, Gigi has a, a, an affinity for cooking in general. And she also has been very helpful with trying to figure out things that we can do that, you know, is quick and easy, but yet still healthy and trying to get back to our daily life um, with this new norm that we that we deal with, right? Right. I'm just really glad too that when you brought her to the doctor, you're like, no, run the labs. I think there's something. Yeah. Right. Um, and you're, right. you trusted that mama gut and that instinct of there's something. And even though it wasn't the outcome you were hoping for, thank goodness you did that. You know, I think that's the biggest, you know, takeaway, at least from my perspective for other, other parents and other caretakers is that, you know, listen to your instinct, listen to your gut, because, you know, when I, when I told the, the doctor, the symptoms, she's like, okay, well, we can, you know, we can just kind of track and trend, right? And I'm like, no, I, I don't want to track and trend. Uh, I just want to have her blood tested. It's simple, right? And and it's frustrating knowing what I know now about type one and then other things that I've learned just through dealing with, with blood tests and things. There's so much that you can learn from testing a child's blood and they don't do it routinely. And I don't know why. It's just, um, it's frustrating because so much of the, so many of the things that could be prevented or at least a less intense outcome, right? If you can mm -hmm. find out sooner, um, could be found out by testing the blood. And, you know, it's not, they don't do that preventative medicine or preventative activities. But we can request it and we can yep. advocate for our kids and we can make sure that if, if we're not feeling comfortable or right about it, we can we can push it. We got to be our own. Kid, yeah, for our kids, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah for and sure. for ourselves for that matter. I mean, if it doesn't feel right, you know, it's, you need to question it. And, um, and ultimately, you know, I could have ended up being wrong, could have, you know, but, but there's nothing wrong with having that, uh, that second check. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you guys. Well, this has been so great. I really appreciate you guys coming on and sharing this message so that we can get it out to more people, more parents and more kids. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you. Bye. All right, parents, to learn more about the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, JDRF, you can go into the show notes. I've got a link there for you. And also the link to support Gigi's team, JDRF One Walk Twin Cities 2023. You can uh, click on that link and go donate to support Gigi's team. We've also got links in the show notes for the Dexcom that Gigi was talking about and Jelly Belly. Com, so you can check out those Jelly Belly candies. Thank you also to Children's Minnesota Minneapolis for the pediatric care and support that you've provided Gigi and her family and so many other families with type 1 diabetes. And I've also included the link in there for Nick Jonas's Beyond Type 1 website. To learn more about how you can become the confident leader your kids crave you to be, head over to NoProblemParents.com. Check out our website. We've got lots of information on there. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter. You'll get alerts about our roundtable events that are starting at the end of March and going throughout the rest of the year. One roundtable, at least one roundtable a month. Sign up for our newsletter so you get all the updates on that as well as your first free download, the Make It Right Technique. All right, until next time, parents, thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the No Problem Parenting Podcast. Join Jackie next time for more tips, tools, and resources that will help you become the confident leader your kids crave you to be. Who do you know that we could support on their parenting journey? Like this podcast, subscribe, share, or leave a review of the show. Your support of the No Problem Parenting Podcast pays it forward and helps us help more families.